0: Psalm 16, there's a, there's a really well-known verse in here. There's several well-known verses, but one I'm going to pull out is verse 6. So let me just read verse 6, and we'll begin. Verse 6 of Psalm 16 says, The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Yes, I have a good inheritance. This is a psalm, if you read the fine print above the psalm in your Bible, it should say something like this, Psalm 16, a mictom of David. And miktam is a word that we really don't know the meaning of. But it seems to be used when the psalmist was writing about a trial he was going through. So a miktam of David, a trial that he was walking through, okay? And we learn from the first verse that David was in a trial. He was in some kind of dire straits. Some kind of pressure was coming on him from somewhere. Because he begins the psalm like this, Preserve me, O God. Preserve me, O God. For in you I put my trust. So this first line is is him crying out for help. Preserve me. And we know that in general, the first book of Psalms, which is Psalm 2 through or Psalm 3 through Psalm 41, roughly deals with David running from Saul. David before he was king. It doesn't fit perfectly every one of those Psalms, but in general it does. So it's about David struggling with... Why are these things happening to me? Why am I having to run for my life? Why is my former mentor trying to kill me? Why am I hiding in a cave? I'm, you know, I wasn't, What happened to the anointing on me to be king? Why am I going through all of this stuff? And so the, that first batch of Psalms roughly deals with that. So this falls perfectly in it. He's got, he, I don't know about you, but how many of you have an issue? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have an issue going on? You're in dire straits or you're in a trial, or you're facing a wall, or you have a family issue going on, or you have a financial issue, or something at work. I don't know. This would be your prayer today. Preserve me. Help me here, Lord. Preserve me. And so after he prays this, he compares two groups of people. First of all, he compares the saints, the righteous ones, or as a New King James says, the excellent ones. That's an interesting title. He compares the life of righteous people to unrighteous people or idol worshipers. Because he says in verse 2, O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my God. My goodness is nothing apart from you. So all the good I have, Lord, comes from you. And then verse 3, as for the saints... Those who are clean, those who are set apart. As for the saints who are on earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Now David's saying, they're my delight. I love them. I love God's people. I'm going to brag on God's people for a minute. And then he says, verse 4, their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another god. So the saints are excellent. I love the saints. But the people who are unrighteous, who are going after other gods, their end's going to be bad. Their sorrows shall be multiplied. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not offer. They often would offer the the blood of a bullock or, or goat or whatever, sometimes drinking the blood. And David says, I'll have no part of that. Nor take up their names. I won't even speak the names of the foreign gods. I have no part of that. I'm over here with the saints. I'm with the righteous people. I don't want to be counted among the unrighteous because they have a bad end. So craft this or or uh, put this in context. Okay. So he's wrestling with some kind of issue. God preserve me. And then he backs up and says, okay, now let's think about this. The righteous people, that's who I want to be with. The unrighteous people, no, I want to have no part of. Then verse 5, you, Lord, are my portion or the portion of my inheritance and my cup, and you maintain my lot. And the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. So he's backing up and he's saying, okay, I want to be among the righteous, not the unrighteous. And God, when I think about it, you really are my inheritance. And even the inheritance I have here on earth, I'm going to rejoice in because it's lovely. One translation I think says lovely. So what are the lines? The lines are measuring lines that marked out a piece of property. Because in Deuteronomy, we're instructed that the children of Israel were given property according to their tribes when they came into the promised land. And so they had an inheritance. They had land. They'd been struggling for 40 years in the wilderness trying to get to that land. When they got carried away in captivity to Assyria or to Babylon, they came back, they took possession again of their land. It was precious to them. I've seen my inheritance and it's a good thing. The lines have fallen to me in a good way. I love my land. Amen? I could go off there, but I'm not going to do it. Land is good. So what's David looking at? In the midst of trouble, he's backing up and he's thinking about his inheritance. How many of us know if we serve the Lord, we have an amazing inheritance? Oh, I'm going to say it again. How many of us know that if we serve the Lord, we have an amazing inheritance in Christ? I'm going to give you three things about your inheritance. First of all, your inheritance is in the here and now. It doesn't mean we're just waiting till we get to heaven. But we have some claim on an inheritance from God in the here and now. I think that's what really in the original context, I think it's what he's going after here. Because you wait till the end. He really believes God is going to bless him right now. And you know, last year, you know, the book of Job really helped me. As, as a lot of y'all know, I talked through it on Wednesday nights. I preached through some parts of it on Sunday mornings, and I've preached it in different places in camp meetings and whatnot, ministers' conferences, but and it really became a blessing. I think the Lord really showed me some things out of Job. But one, one doubt that came knocking on my Brain during the whole thing was if bad things happen to Job and he was a righteous man and if the wisdom literature is there to tell us why bad things sometimes happen to good people then Lord do I have any right to ask you for anything good I know that sounds crazy but it's just what I walked through do I have any right to make a claim on the promises of God anymore for my life And then I found Psalm 27, which has been my favorite psalm for years. Psalm 27 in verse 13. The psalmist said, I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so I dug and researched land of the living. What's he talking about, land of the living? And you know what I found? It's profound. I found land of the living means it's the place where people are living. What's opposite of that? A place where people are not living. What's that called? It's the Hollywood Cemetery over here. It's the graveyard, okay? Look around you. There are, I think, living people sitting all around you. But the graveyard is the place where people aren't living. So when David says, I would have lost heart unless I believed I would receive the goodness of the Lord or see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, he's saying, I knew, God, that you would bless me before I hit the grave. And I knew, God, that you would show me your goodness, your kindness. In the here and now, before I go to the grave. I think he's praying the same thing here. He's thinking about his inheritance. Think about David. According to to tradition, David was the youngest son and had no inheritance. Think about it. He's the youngest son and had no inheritance. But here he's claiming the inheritance he has in the Lord. So I thought about it. Well, according to the New Testament, can you and I make any claims, any demands, on any kind of promises, any kind of inheritance in the Lord? And my answer is, yes. We can make a claim and a demand on the inheritance that God's given us for the here and now as New Testament believers. And what are those? There are too many to go through here in this sermon this morning. I could talk about the forgiveness of sins, the new life we have in Christ, the justification, sanctification, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit we have, the joy, the abundance, the all, the, the, all of this we have in Christ. But let me just focus on one thing. One part, I believe, of our inheritance in the New Testament, and I believe it's healing. I believe it's healing. Just one piece of it. And, and, and you say, well, Pastor Hans, I've prayed for people and they weren't here healed. Well, join the crowd. I've prayed for some people and had to preach their funeral. But I've also prayed for some people who were healed. And so I just want you to look at me, look or look with me, <laughs> at a verse in Luke 13 or a passage in Luke 13. Luke 13, verse 10, Bible says, Now when Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and in no way could help herself or couldn't raise herself up. So think about this. Jesus walks in the synagogue. He's teaching. And here's a lady bent over for 18 years. And Luke identifies her problem as a demonic spirit. Because if you remember in the tent meeting, Ted Shuttlesworth preached one night on the healing miracles of Jesus and one-third of all the listed miracles in the New Testament were associated with the spirit of infirmity. And so he comes in and what does he do? But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately, She was made straight and glorified God. Wow. Jesus looks at her, speaks a word of command, and lays hands on her, and 18 years of problems were solved. What happened? The church folk got ticked off. The ruler of the synagogue came up with indignation. And he says, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said, there are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on film. Bless God, not on the Sabbath day when we're trying to have service. And Jesus responded and said, sir, I'm so sorry, man. I didn't mean to offend you. Let me undo this miracle and get back to the tradition and religious flow we were in. No, 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 no. What did Jesus do? The Bible says Jesus responded and said, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it to water? Okay. He said, even you guys on your farm, you have enough sense to know if there's a problem, you take care of it. It doesn't matter even if it is on the Sabbath. If your ox is messed up, you go get the ox out. We had a problem here in church, and I just took care of it. And then what he says in the next verse is really what I want you to look at. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound back to the identification of her problem, was a demonic spirit, think of it for 18 years as loose from this bond on the Sabbath. Here's what I read in all that. He looked at this woman and he said, and I believe the words daughter of Abraham are important because he said, this woman is a daughter of Abraham. She's in covenant with God. She has an inheritance. She has an inheritance as a daughter of Abraham and part of that inheritance is that she should be healed and she should be set free from this demonic oppression. So you can have your little religious service. I've come to set the captives free and make claim on the inheritance we have in Christ. Oh, somebody shout amen. Can we make a claim on the inheritance we have in the here and now? Can God actually bless us in the here and now? Can God actually hear our prayers in the here and now? Can God actually open up stuff for us in the here and now? Can God actually heal our bodies, cast out spirits? Can God raise people from the dead? Can God provide money out of nowhere? Can God open a door that no man could open for you? Can God make a way where nobody could make a way for you? Come on, in the here and now we can make a claim on the inheritance we have. Somebody shout. Hallelujah. Ah. In the here and now. Somebody say it. In the here and now, I can claim the promises. Okay, second thing I learned about inheritance from Psalm 16 is that he says something that is so profound. It goes beyond any blessing we could receive in the here and now. He says this. He says in verse 2, You are my Lord. Verse 5, You are the portion of my inheritance. Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. I think what David is saying is I have an inheritance here, sure, the property lines have fallen in pleasant places, but really my ultimate inheritance is in the Lord. He is my portion. He is my cup, which is a metaphor of something I can hold on to and not let go of. He is my cup. He is my portion. He is my inheritance. And then he says in the last verses, he said, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As one scholar interpreted this, at at your right hand is joyful abundance. So it may be great that God gives me blessings, It's amazing that God heals us, that God sets us free, that God provides for us. That's awesome. And it's like at this level. But I'm going to dare to say at the next level is the plain fact that I have Him. And He has me. And Jesus is mine. And I am His. And He is my portion. He is my inheritance. I am His child. He is my Father. And when everything is going wrong, think about David. Preserve me, oh God. He's in a problem right here. He's going through something. And in the midst of the greatest trial, he steps back and says, yeah, but you know what? When I think about the Lord, He is good to me And if everything's going haywire in my life, I know I have God in my heart and I know He is the one who I set before me. And He says, in your presence, that term presence in in Hebrew is face. So when I come to your tabernacle and I look on your face, I have fullness of joy. That is a man who has his perspective in the right place. He has the right perspective. Because how many knows when trials come, they come to shake our perspective and get our focus off? Because when, 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 when trials come, fear associates with that, and fear tries to pull you away, and you want to start worrying about everything that's going to happen, even though it probably isn't going to happen, or everything that maybe could fall apart in your life. And then at night, he speaks of the night, then at night you really start worrying. Then you wake up in the middle of the night and you think, how am I going to pay my bills? What's going to happen to my kids? Oh my gosh, is my house going to burn down? Or is the wind going to blow off my roof? I mean, the craziest stuff comes at night. And David says, even at night, I can back up and say, no, Lord, you are my inheritance, God. And when I look on you, I have peace and I have fullness of joy. Can somebody shout? Come on, punch your neighbor. i give you permission. Say, did you get that? Third thing, third thing about inheritance that I see here is that it's good that we have an inheritance in this life and it's good that God's our inheritance, but our inheritance is going to last beyond death. It's going to last beyond death. Notice this. Notice what he says in the last here. He says verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Now Sheol's the grave. It's the place where the living are not. It's the dead place. Okay, I look at this in three different levels of interpretation. Number one, I think contextually he's saying, God, you're going to come and rescue me and you're not going to leave me to rot in this problem. I think that's, where, I think that's the context. God, you're not going to leave me out here and you're not going to let my enemies overcome me and you're not going to let these fears overtake me. And you're not going to let me die and not fulfill my days here on earth. You will not leave me to corruption. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He's claiming in the here and now the promises and his inheritance. Some of you need to do that. Some of us need to do that, right? God, you're not going to leave us to corruption. He didn't leave my friend to corruption. Brought him out and Tony's in church today. Can somebody shout amen? amen? Hallelujah. Some of you, if it hadn't been for the Lord on your side, you had been dead and gone years ago. I'm one of those, I feel. If God hadn't been on our side, we'd never made it to this day. And He hasn't brought us this far to let us go now. He hasn't won all these victories to fail on us now. He's brought us to this point to see us through. But let's take it one step further in interpretation. I also think that the grave is important here because I think it means even when we pass through the grave... It's just a veil that we're passing through to step over into the other side. And when we get to the other side, we're going to really receive an inheritance because we're going to get everything that he's promised in the now. Okay, notice this. He says this in the book of Second Peter, or First Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. So we have blessings in this life. And God is our inheritance already in this life. But saints, when we step over on the other shore, we're going to walk into the fullness of our blessing. And I mean unashamed, face-to-face, wide-open blessings. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to preach like the old timers. We're going to walk the streets of gold. We're going to see the saints of old. We're going to see Jesus on the throne. We're going to go by the river of life. Hallelujah. We're going to shout. We're going to give praise unto God. It's going to last forever. It's never going to end. We're going to sing a song the angels can't sing. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Can't you can't you see it right now? So, you know, for I don't know. People have these near-death experiences and they're not scripture so I don't want to take them at the level of scripture but just look at those that we've heard through the years and and those that I've listened to kind of have a similar theme when Christians come near death and have caught a glimpse of the other side they kind of have a similar theme and this is what I get from them number one they feel love like they'd never felt it before Number two, some of them hear singing, some of them see loved ones who have gone on, or angels, or Jesus himself. but there always seems to be the common thread of they don't want to return."." Because it's so good. They don't want to return. So I had a dear friend years ago, his name was William Ward, he went to be with the Lord many years ago, but he preached for me when I was a young pastor, I'm still a young pastor by the way, <laughs> and he, he he preached for me back years ago, and uh, he, he would tell these stories, he had had some near-death experiences, so don't take them as scripture, just take them as his experience. But he had an experience where he was going to seminary, and he had a professor who was teaching that Hell was just a place, if you went there when you died, you would burn up and there would be nothing left of you. It was what we call annihilationism. And so, Brother Ward came back to his uh, room where he was staying and he said, I prayed and I said, God, if that's the truth, I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, what's the use if we all just burn up and it's over? So he said, Lord, if there is a hell, take me there tonight. And he tells a story. It's his story. He tells a story that he slumped over to sleep and he saw his spirit descending and he saw his body still in the chair. And he was accompanied by spirit beings who took him through a tour of hell. And he went to different locations in hell. And it was absolutely spine-chilling to listen to him tell this story. And he said, I knew, the dream was I knew the vision was real when he got to that ocean of fire. And he would see people come up out of the fire and their flesh melt off and reappear and then go back down in the flames. And he had, they saw a friend of his come out of the fire. And he called out to him and spoke to him and he called back to Brother Ward. And Dr. Ward said, the last time I saw the guy was living. So when I got released back to my body... He went to Washington, D.C. where his friend lived, and he went to his home, and he knocked on the door, and his mother answered, and he asked for his friend, and she said, William, he's not here. He died a few days ago, and he said, I knew the vision was real. Now, Now, take this again as a vision, but he said, as I was walking through hell, I looked up, and I saw the streets of gold. And he said, I cried with all of my voice, but they didn't hear me at all. And he said, I saw my mama shouting. (laughs) And he said, I saw my mama shouting down the streets of gold. I don't know about you, but I want to be there and not there. Right? Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place, tapos in Greek, a physical, literal place. I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also, and in my presence there is fullness of joy. This is even a little bit stranger, but I'm going to go ahead and tell it since I'm on a roll. I heard one of these near-death experiences where a guy went to heaven, and I love this. And he said, before he walked through the gate, there were angels teaching people how to worship who hadn't learned how to while they were on earth. I don't want to get to heaven and have to go to 101 worship class. I want to, come on, somebody wave at me. I want to figure it out now while I'm here. So we have an inheritance in heaven. There's an inheritance in heaven. So don't get too attached to the here and now that it will hinder you from getting over there to heaven. Don't get so enamored with the here and now that it takes the, the glow out of heaven for you. Don't get so comfortable in the here and now that you don't have a a yearning in your heart to make it over there. Because I'm telling you, I've experienced some amazing things in this life, but I know that they don't compare. Paul said that our momentary affliction does not compare with the glory which shall be revealed in us when we make it home. Hallelujah. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Okay, one more thing and we're going to pray. In Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and preaches on the day of Pentecost and he starts quoting Psalm 16. And he's telling all of the crowd, he says the Lord says he will not allow his Holy One to see corruption. And Peter was referring to Jesus. So, this passage, though it encourages us and it's David's heart, ultimately the fulfillment of this passage, or that verse at least, was fulfilled when Christ rose from the dead, coming out of the grave and conquering death and the grave or death and hell forever and conquering it for you and I as well John saw him in the book of Revelation and he said he was holding the keys that means the authority the ability to lock and unlock he was holding the keys of death and Hades or of death and the place of the dead all that, that people have feared and caricaturized over the years of the icy cold hands of death and the place of the dead and all this garbage you know what for the saint it is just another victory because because we're following the Lord going down into the grave but we will not stay there because the Bible says that one day the, the eastern sky will split the voice of an archangel will sound the trump of God will blast and the dead who are in Christ shall rise first we who are alive and remain shall be called up together to be with them in the Lord Paul says that this corruptible shall put on incorruption and in the moment in the twinkling of an eye we shall all be changed is anybody in this church this? This morning come on this is the ultimate inheritance that you and I will walk into following the footsteps of Jesus himself hallelujah all oh, the sorrows going to be past all of the tears are going to be gone the nursing homes done away with the hospitals done away with the funeral homes done away with the ambulances and police force done away with we're going to walk into heaven with the saints and with the angels and I don't know about you but I want to run directly to the throne and I want to see the one who set Hans free, who came and called me out of a hospital bed when I was 16, who baptized me in the Holy Ghost, who anointed me to travel and preach for him. I want to go and I want to take whatever accolades, whatever crown, whatever glory I have. I want to take it and I want to cast it at his feet and lay prostrate before the throne of God. Oh, if you're with me, give him a praise in here. punch somebody say you ain't seen nothing yet come on punch somebody else Said you ain't seen nothing yet come on you think we can dance down here wait till we have a new body you think we can praise down here wait till I get a new body man one that my arms don't get sore my knees don't pop out of place one that doesn't have to have a couple cups of coffee to wake me up to come to service wait till I get in that box hallelujah wait till I don't have to sleep Come on somebody, wait till time is no more. Oh, hallelujah. And we're going to worship. We're going to praise. We're going to see the saints of old. We're going to see Jesus himself. We're going to see the seraphim. We're going to see the four and twenty elders. We're going to see the four beasts. We're going to see the millions or billions of angels. Satan will be put in the pit forever. And we're going to rejoice because he'll be no more. The saints of God are winning the victory. John said, I saw a number that no man can number. Standing before the throne of God. From every tribe and kindred and tongue and nation. Worshiping the Lamb. I don't I don't know about you, but I want to be right there. I want to be in that praise gathering. You've seen some good stuff here, but you ain't seen nothing yet. You wait till we get over there. I how do. Come on, put your hands together. Give the Lord a praise. Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to to live in an era where we can come to you uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I wanna close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now, but especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in. I believe Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now. Okay, pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart I repent of all my sin. And I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone. And I thank you that my life is changed. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online. I hope to see you again.